Yeah, praise the Lord, everyone. The Lord is good, isn't he? Man, I pray everybody had a great week. Uh, I know we did. Uh, last Sunday, right after church, we went over to the in between the houses and had a just a fantastic time with all the, the children and their families on the water slides. And I, I told you there was a 50-foot water slide, slip and slide, and I was wrong. It was 100 feet. Yes, uh, they didn't quite make it into the lake, but, uh, you know, give them an A for effort. It was a lot of fun. And, and I found something else out. I know why they call them fire ants. Because they hurt. I'm still recovering from that. But, but man, I'm so glad that uh, we had a great time. And, and uh, man, so thank you, Nancy. Thank you, uh, Children's Ministry. It was, it was just a lot of fun. So I, I want to talk to you just for uh, a little while this morning, and I know every time I tell my, uh, the, the team that's up here I'm just going to speak for a short time, they all laugh at me like, yeah, right. Uh, but compared to most pastors, you have to admit, I speak very short. I was, yes, you can say amen. All you, I, had, I had a professor that told me once, he said, just listen, just Sharpen the point, get to it, stab them with it, and then offer them a Band-Aid. So it, it works really well. So, no, during the week, we talked last week, we talked about the, the gifts of the Spirit, and, and I was planning and preparing all week about, about getting ready to uh, go into the second week of the difference between spiritual gifts and gifts of the Spirit, and, and worked on that, and there was something that just kept nagging on me just kept nagging. I mean, midweek, midweek, uh, the Lord began to speak with me about another topic. And I'm just going to be really honest with you. It's more in my heart than it is in my head. But as we take this amazing journey as a body of believers, I believe that this is a message of hope and encouragement that each and every one of us need to hear. If it hasn't happened in your life, it's going to happen in your life because it's something that always happens in our lives. We're going to be speaking out of Exodus chapter 14. If you want to turn there... If you have a Bible, grab that. If you want to read, use one. Uh, I personally like the ones on my phone because if you're looking on your phone, you don't know if you're reading the Bible or checking your email. Works out really well. Uh, but Exodus chapter 14. This is an amazing story. Now I want to talk to you about on your way to the promised land. There's always something that happens to us on our way to the promised land. I remember when I was a kid, I was eight years old, my dad took us out in the middle of the desert into uh, a, a place they called, are you ready for this? Bloody Basin. If that doesn't get the blood pumping in an eight-year-old boy, nothing will. You know, and, and it was called that because there was uh, an attack, in, this is in Arizona, along the Verde River, and, and there was a, an attack on a wagon train through there, and some of the Indian, uh, local Indians had massacred these, uh, these, this, this uh, wagon train, and they, that's why they named it Bloody Basin. So an eight-year-old kid, as we're driving through where there aren't any roads, 
You're just kind of making them as you go. And, and most people would like to have a Ford Bronco or, or a four-wheel drive. My dad took a 66 Chevy. That's just the kind of guy he was. So, so we make our way through there. And, you know, in my mind, I'm, he said, we're going to go way out here. And he says, this is where we're going to go. So it's me, my, two of my brothers and a sister and my dad. And we're trekking across uh, all of these rocks and everything else. And we get down to the Verde River. And it's way down there. And we're going to go to the other side of the river. And you can look in the river and you can see the biggest catfish you've ever seen in your entire life. Six feet, seven feet long. Just laying down there waiting for me to fall in so they can eat me. And, and, and so I'm there and, and we want to get to the other side and my dad says, come on, we're going. And the only way to get across to the other side was this little sheep bridge now to be honest if I went there today and I looked at that sheep bridge I would probably think it's probably maybe 20 feet above the water but to an 8 year old boy it looked like the, the bridge in Indiana Jones Oh, it was terrifying. And, and my dad went across, my brothers went across, my sister went across, and I was left on the other side all by myself. And the only thing I could think of is, well, man, I need to overcome this fear, but at least I know where the car is at, I think. And I'm over there, and they're saying, come on over. If you want to see this, you've got to come across the bridge. And, and there was an amazing experience that happened in my life that day. I had to come to the realization that where I was and where I wanted to be, there was a big gulf in between, and the only way across was this rickety bridge. And, and, as, I, and, and as you try to step on it, the wind would sway it, and, and, and the, the bridge would get higher and higher and higher, and the water was lower and lower and lower. And, and it was just incredible, and fear just gripped my heart. And I realized... If I wanted to go from where I was to where I wanted to go, I had to overcome my fear. And I had to walk in faith and trust my dad. And I want to talk to you about that today. If you want to get where you need to go with the Lord, you have to overcome your fear. Fear keeps us in bondage to the adversary. In Exodus 14, the children of Israel have been in Egypt for 430 years. That's a long time, isn't it? They've been there, and they never belonged to Pharaoh. They never belonged to Egypt. They were always God's people. And they just went through the ten plagues, and, and then that last plague where the, the blood over the doorpost and, and, and the firstborn died, and Pharaoh says, just get out. And, and it's amazing. All the Israelites are getting ready, and the Bible says that, that, they, that they took from all of the Egyptians. In fact, the Egyptians were giving them gold, silver, and everything else and said, here, just take it and go. They plundered them. And they're excited. Verse 8 of chapter 14 says, they walked out boldly. Boldly. 
Can you imagine? It was like that. I'm sure they were singing that Johnny Paycheck song. Take this job. You can have it. That's the words, isn't it? So, so here, here they are, and they're, and they're leaving. They're, they're leaving boldly. They're, they're, they're leaving with force. They're leaving with, uh, with joy. It's like, wow, I don't have to make this, these bricks anymore. I don't have to build these pyramids anymore. I don't have to do the manual labor anymore. I'm not building somebody else's empire. They, they're leaving. And in, and in chapter 14, the Bible says in, in verse 1 that, that God spoke to Moses because Moses was their leader. And God spoke to him and says, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want, to go, I want you to go out in the wilderness and here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the people of Israel and I want you to plant them by the Red Sea. Because Pharaoh is going to think you're trapped and I'm going to harden his heart. And he's going to come try to get you and I am going to take care of Pharaoh and I'm going to take care of his army, and I am going to show Egypt who is really God. And you think that with the children of Israel were wandering around in the wilderness, and they just got trapped by the Red Sea because there was no place to go because they were inexperienced, but that's not the case. The reason why they were there is because God ordained it. God allowed them to be in a situation where they were, had the Red Sea at their back and there was no way of escaping. And then, and then Pharaoh said, look at them, they're just out there and I don't want to lose them. And, and that's what the scripture says. The Pharaoh looked at it and said, hey, they're out there in the wilderness. I don't want to lose all of my workers. Can I speak to you for a moment? The devil does not mind if you are an Israelite, if you're a child of God. He does mind when you break free of his captivity and you begin to walk toward the promised land. When you decide that you're no longer going to be a servant to, to the adversary, you say, well, God's people aren't servant to the adversary. I will tell you, I'm going to... How do I say, not you, we are practically perfect. Everybody in here is just amazing. But I have heard rumors from other churches that God doesn't, I mean, that the devil doesn't need to use people that don't know him to hurt the church. He can just hurt, use the people in the church to hurt the church. Does that make sense? I'm not dwelling on that. Here's what I'm saying. God, God wants to free his people. God wanted to take them to the promised land, but he knew that before they needed to go across, before they could get into the promised land, they not, not only needed to get rid of the oppression, they needed to be free from the oppressor. And each and every one of us, when we are, walk in a relationship with God, there are certain triggers in our lives that cause fear and doubt and anxiety within us. Can I speak to you for a moment? On your way to the promised land, on your way to saying, I want a closer, more intimate relationship with God, and I no longer want to be bound and fettered by the things of this life, on your journey... 
Pharaoh was going to say, I liked them where they were because they were building my empire. They, they, were, they were voting and, and, and building bricks in my political system. They were building bricks, uh, bricks in my economic system. And now they're wanting to be free and build the kingdom of God. And, and I don't like that. And when you decide that you're going to move closer to God, the adversary is going to hunt you down. Let's look at, at verse 14, uh, verse 10 rather, in, in chapter. The Lord, the Lord had already told Moses where, where to go, why they were going, but he didn't give them all of the, uh, all of the exact uh, details. Moses knew a vague plan of God's purpose. And here's, the Israel, uh, here's Israel, and the Bible says, as Pharaoh approached, here's Pharaoh's already going after him, and as, as he approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians. There they were, marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They just left. Verse 8 says they left boldly. Woohoo! We're ready. We're going. We're going. We're partying. We're going to the promised land. And, and they were singing. They were high-fiving. They were doing everything. We're free of this. We got our own place. We're going. And Moses, through the direction of the Lord, leads them to a place that looks like that, that, that one that kept them bound and kept them fettered and kept them from doing what they needed to do and who they really wanted to be it was coming after them and they looked and they saw him and all of his power and all of his might and it terrified them scripture says that the adversary is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour sometimes when a lion is getting ready to attack he, he, he will roar and the reason why he'll roar because in that split second when you hear that roar you freeze in terror and it's just enough time to get him, to get you. See, the adversary doesn't want you to leave. He wants you to be comfortable. He wants you to, to just stay and not experience everything God has for you. But we live in a time where we need to see the presence of God. As, as your pastor I have a heart that just wants more and more of God. I'm, I'm tired of living with the status quo in my own life. And I'll be honest, there are times that the, uh, God has put me at that place where the Red Sea was behind me and, and Pharaoh was coming after me and, and that fear tries to grip your heart and, and you start thinking it would just be easier if I didn't even do this. But for Israel to, to really experience all that God had for them, they had to cross through the Red Sea. They had to cross through God's way and they had to go to a place where Pharaoh could not go. If you want a full, passionate, powerful, meaningful relationship with God, He will allow you to face your circumstances because He is wanting you to be free from your oppressor that you can walk in the fullness of His Spirit. 
As the enemy looked up, the Bible says that they were terrified. Terrified. Terror, fear. Fear. You ever been afraid? Fear. It's that monster under the bed. Or the one that peeks around the door in your room at night. It's, it's that thing that we conjure up in our mind. And here's, here's what the, what's so amazing about, about the Israelites. Let, let's read. Let's talk about their fear for a minute. He said, they said to Moses, was it because there are no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? What have we done? What have you done to us by bringing us out to Egypt? He, he's saying, Can't, couldn't we just die in Egypt? Why are we coming out here to be killed? And they didn't realize that the adversary didn't, that Pharaoh didn't want to kill them. He just wanted to control them. He wanted to use them. Let's go on. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? I don't, didn't read that. We call that reconstructed history when, when we reconstruct it to fit where we're at at the given moment. It's kind of like when your kids are doing well, they're your kids. When they're doing not so well, they're your, your spouse's kids. Yeah. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? I didn't see that. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Who said anything about them dying in the desert? They went ahead and their fear was enlarging even what Pharaoh wanted to do. Pharaoh didn't want to kill them. Pharaoh wanted them to serve him. He wanted them to be under control. And yet their fear, their fear kept them in bondage kept them and, and their mind began to run wild and and they looked at Moses and they began the Bible says they cried out to God but then they attacked Moses because you can't attack God because he's God he said wouldn't it have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert let's go on Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Don't fear. Don't fear. Scripture tells us that there is a, a tool that you have that, that will get rid of all the fear in your life. Did you know that? This is a rhetorical question, so don't respond, please. It's kind of like, I'm, going to tire, I'm tired of being condescending. That means talking down to you. Uh, you ever seen that? Anyway, never mind. Uh, uh, it's a rhetorical question. You ever been afraid? What is it that you fear? What is it that you are fearing in your life? What is it that when you're stepping out to do the will of God that the adversary is wrecking havoc with your mind and heart?
because he is and he will because he works in fear but you have a tool scripture says perfect or complete love casts out all fear see your fear can be removed by loving God and the more you love God the less you fear and the less you fear the more you'll trust see faith in God it is built upon an understanding that you love the Lord, but you know he is trustworthy. That he means you no harm. Let's make no bones about it. The adversary wants to destroy you. He want, he, the Bible says that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to take your life and use it and for his purposes, for his goals, for his for his agenda. He wants you to build his kingdom. But the moment any child of God realizes that, that God has something else for them and God is moving them into a relationship with him that they can experience things that are beyond their own life, that they can move across, that they, they can go into a land that, that they can only attain through God. Because no matter how many of those, uh, those um, Israelites tried, they could not have moved that Red Sea. But God said, hey, wait a minute. I have you in an impossible situation. I have you in a situation that looks pretty bad. But it's not for you to fear I have you in this situation so you can confront your fear. You can trust in me that you can just stand still and watch me work. And I want to encourage you today. If there is a situation in your life when you're moving toward God and things begin to happen, things begin to unfold, things begin to fall apart, and God will use family, He'll use finance, He'll use friends, He'll use everything at His disposal to get you to just relinquish the journey that you're on and go back to Egypt and just make bricks for Him. But if you decide that you want more than that, if you decide that there, you want more than, than, than just what, what this world has and you want that relationship with God, you want the, the power of the presence of God living and dwelling in your life, and, then, and if you step out and begin to walk in relationship with him, something amazing is going to happen. You're going to find yourself where you look like you are overwhelmed, and that's when God says, stand still and watch me work. I cannot tell you how many times in my own life and how many times I've heard it in the lives of others when they just stood still, when they were moving toward God and, and as they were moving toward God it seemed like everything was going to fall apart and then God miraculously delivers, God miraculously saves, God miraculously heals, God does the miraculous, God parts the Red Sea. And God will fix the circumstance that you're in if you will follow after him. Don't give in to fear, but stand still and see what God will do for you. 
I'm going to ask our praise team to come back because I am a man of my word and I was riding a horse with short legs. Scripture tells us in, in 1 Corinthians 2.8 that if the princes of this world would have known they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. See, the adversary, they, he, he knew who Jesus was, but he didn't know Jesus, what he was going to do. The devil would have never touched the Lord if he knew that the Lord was going to come take his authority from him. But here's Jesus, and he's standing in judgment. And everybody is saying, crucify him. And the devil's laughing, look, I got him, 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 I got him. And as Mary is crying and the disciples are weeping as those nails go into the hands and the feet of Jesus and he is placed on that cross and as they're mourning Satan is celebrating I have this one I got him no more healings no more speaking about God nothing else I have him and when I get him then I'm going to go after his followers and what he didn't know was God had sent Christ for our salvation. Just as he put the children of Israel in a circumstance that looked impossible because nobody had ever seen a sea split in half. Nobody had ever seen somebody rise from the dead. Can I speak to you for a moment? If your circumstance looks impossible, hang on to God. Stand still and let God do His work. Because at the end of the day, God is going to receive glory and honor for what He has done. God is not going to do just the things that you can do. God gets glory when He does things that nobody else can do. And sometimes he puts us in situations that we can't do anything. But when we trust in him, he does the amazing. Gideon. Can you imagine Gideon with 300 people defeating an entire army? Gideon, the one that was so afraid that he was threshing wheat in a wine press. You know how they used to thresh wheat? They'd put it on a big, big, well, for lack of a better word, a blanket or a big canvas, and they would toss it in the air, and the wind would take that chaff and just drive it away, and, and then the wheat would fall down, and they'd keep doing it. But it would look like a pillar, uh, a pillar of smoke rising. 
Gideon was in a wine press where you couldn't see him because he was afraid that the enemy would see him and come take what little he has. And then the angel shows up. And you remember what the angel said? I love this. Angel walks up and says, Hey, oh mighty man of valor. Can you imagine Gideon looking around? Where? Where? But he was speaking to him. God had a plan for Gideon. And he put him in a situation that was impossible for him, but not impossible for God. On your way to the promised land, confront your fear. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord for your family. You seem like, well, well, pastor, it looks like it's impossible. My family's never coming to, to the Lord. Don't allow your fear. Don't allow what you can do or can't do to interfere with what God is going to do. Trust in him. You say, I, I don't know how, how I'm going to survive. I don't know with, with the economy the way it is. I'm struggling. Trust in the Lord. When it looks like you can't do anything, let God be God. Say, well, Pastor, I don't know about my health. I can't do anything. I've done everything I can. So did the woman with the issue of blood until she reached out and touched Jesus. And, and I would encourage you today, don't give in to fear, but allow perfect love in your life to reach out and touch him, for he will grab hold of your hand and say, let's walk through the Red Sea together. Trust in him. Here we are, you know, celebrating communion. And, and the reason why we're going to celebrate in communion is because he overcame death for us. We have eternal life that when we stand at the door of death, we can have no fear. Because he's already walked through it and came through the other side. Chuck, if you would come and serve, serve over here anyway. And Jose, would you and Rosa serve here? Would you stand with me? I know, I know I'm a little bit scattered today. My apologies for, for that. But no apologies for my heart. Because I want to see you walk in victory. I want to see you walk in the freedom that Christ has afforded us. I want you to be free from anything and everything that holds you back in this life. And if Christ said that, that you can have this and you want it, I want you to walk toward that promised land. And, and as God is faithful and he never goes back on his word, if he said that it's for us, then you can and you can pursue it and you can pursue it and you will get to the place that you have to overcome your fear but I will tell you overcoming your fear is amazing because you get to stand still and watch God be God face your fear stand firm and allow God to do the amazing as we partake in communion today 
I want you to remember what he did for us. And ask yourself this question. If Christ would come and live and die for our sin, do you think he's going to give up on you now? I'm telling you, he loves you with an undying, unshakable love. And he will never leave.